there's price, there's cost, and there's value in any transaction. Again, whether it's real estate, whether it's business, whether it's anything. Value is what you bring that is emotional. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out the fluff. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And we're going to keep the momentum going. We're going to be talking to today's best ever guest who has over 10 years experience in wholesaling, 15 years in the construction industry, and he's actively doing wholesaling. He's based in Chicago, Illinois. How you doing, Tom Olson? Awesome. I'm really excited to be here today. I get to talk to the best ever audience, so that's pretty cool. That's right. And I got to say, props to you. You told me right before we started recording that you're supposed to be on vacation right now. But best ever listeners, he is delaying some relaxing time to have a conversation with us. So appreciate that. Tom has bought and sold over 1,000 houses. As I mentioned, he's got over 10 years experience and he's focused on wholesaling. With that being said, Tom, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, sure. I actually have been in construction since I was 12. So that's a little bit more than 20 something years at this point. That's kind of where I got started. Right now, we currently will wholesale about 350 houses a year. We also do about 50 fix and flips and we will add about 50 rentals to our portfolio, which is now about 110. That's a little bit about me and uh, everything that we're doing. I also own a construction management company. That is right now managing 45 rehabs in the Chicagoland area. Some of those are for our own deals, but a lot of those are for other investors around the country that are either buying to hold in my area or buying to fix and flip in my area. That company services them. With your rehabs, I mean, you've been working since you've been 12. So first, that's a good work ethic too. You've got tons of experience in the construction industry. What can you tell us? What should we know? We'll use me as an example. Perhaps I am similar to other best ever listeners where I have no experience in construction. I did pour asphalt and concrete whenever I was 15 for a job. But as far as actually doing more detailed or methodical stuff than that, what can we learn about the construction industry? Hmm. On a short glance, I would tell you, understand that the prices are going up on everything right now. <laughs> Labor's up, materials are up. So that's just something that just kind of a, a short little thing to, to add there. As far as boy, as a whole, cities are getting tighter. It's harder to get stuff done right now. Jobs are taking longer than they probably should because of external 
things, cities, permits, and that kind of stuff. And boy, I'm not quite sure what you're looking for there. Oh, that's good. It was a tough question because it's very generic. Let me get specific. With the cities and permits that you mentioned, are you only focused to the Chicago land area? Yes, I do cover six counties, and it's really different in each six counties. And three of those counties are in Indiana, and three of those counties are in Illinois. And Illinois, in some respects, are a lot easier. And in some respects, they can be ridiculous because they might take a month just to put a stamp on a permit. <laughs> what, what tips do you have for listeners who are attempting to get permits and needing to work with local officials? I think it actually goes back to something different than that. I think just having a trust relationship with the person that's doing it for you, that's the biggest, most important thing because you want to make sure that who's ever handling the stuff for you is going to get it done. It might take them longer than what they expected, but you want to make sure that you have that trust factor with that person and that whoever you're working with is trustworthy. And are you talking about the person on your team or are you talking about the person at the city? No, your contractor. The city itself is actually out of your control. But I mean, the contractor or if you're going to hire a construction management company or somebody on your team too, but even that somebody on your team ought to make sure that whoever contractor you're working with that's pulling the permits for you has your best interest at heart. How do you guard against them not? Getting referrals from them would probably be something I would talk about. I would also think about just understanding what other value they bring to you, which is kind of brings me to one of the things I was going to talk about today a little bit on just focusing on value. Um... That's a tough question on the spot too, but I would just, (laughs) I I guess for me, I'm a little bit spoiled. I have a great team. I don't work with the contractors myself. It's my team that even works with the contractors. So that would probably be a question from my operations manager, Mm -hmm. maybe. How do you spend the majority of your time? Me, I'm running and building businesses and I spend a lot of time reading and new structuring and building processes and looking for the future on how I can better my businesses. I'm an owner of four businesses. So for me, I'm a business owner and I'm not in the business as much as most real estate investors would be. What are the four businesses? I own Olson Property Services, which is the construction management company that's managing the 45 rehabs right now. We've done about 500 rehabs for investors over the last 10 years. I own Midwest Rental Solutions, which is just a rental company where we own about 110 rentals. And then I own a company called Housemart.biz, which is the wholesaling company. And we fix and flip with that company. That company has 36 employees. We have nine full-time people that all they do is acquire houses. We've got six full-time people. All they do is sell houses. And then we've got other people that obviously have to do bookkeeping and manage this and that and manage the construction rehabs for that company. And just what a company would need. A company typically needs three main things. They need operations handled. They need finance handled. And they need marketing and sales handled. So... Okay, what was the fourth business? Oh, I'm so that? sorry. Yes, Good Success is a new company. It's kind of our brand umbrella company for all of it, which is going to be our education business where we teach people how to do what we do. We do have a two-day belief retreat coming up here in September that we just think, hey, if you can see a company that's doing 300 deals a year, you may be able to understand how you can do it too. And that's actually how we learned. We went around the country looking at other organizations that were a lot bigger and larger than us. And we were like, well, what does it look like? I think the first step for any company or any person to do in business or in life, really, even in anything, has to do with belief. You don't have to believe you can. You just have to have a little bit of belief, just a smidge of belief. And if you have that, you can take that first step and kind of start putting pieces together. Will you give us an example of that in your own life? Absolutely. As far as belief goes, this belief retreat. So this is the first time that we've ever done it. I seriously believe 
that if I can get people that can come see our business and come see what we're doing, then I really believe that they'll be able to go home and believe that they can do it themselves. And I'll give you a good example of that specifically with another person. So I'm a part of several masterminds around the country. And one, I actually just got back from last night, but this particular one, I met this guy named Glenn about three years ago. And the second night of the mastermind, we were on this boat that they had rented for the mastermind. And I had started talking about what I do. And he was telling me, you know, he was doing 10 or 15 deals a year. He heard what we were doing at the time. We were doing about 250 deals a year. And he was just like blown away that that was even possible. And he went back and started putting plans together for him to start doing 40 deals a year and 80 deals a year. Now he's a guy who's actually doing about 40 deals a year, which is pretty awesome. Another awesome example of that, which is actually mind-blowing because I was at a different mastermind and I swore I heard the person from the room say that they were doing 400 deals a year. And at the time we were doing 96. So I went back just thinking I was the biggest loser ever since I was only doing 96 deals a year and thinking, man, they can do 400. And I had already been to their office and I was just like, wow, how in the world can they do that many deals? So we started putting plans together for us to do that many deals. It just so happens that now that same company is only doing about 40 deals a year and we're doing 300, but we never would have even thought we could until we believe that somebody else could do it. So it's like that first step of belief. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Focus on value. I actually think this is true for any part of life or any business. There's price, there's cost, and there's value in any transaction. Again, whether it's real estate, whether it's business, whether it's anything. Value is what you bring that is emotional. And it's that trust factor that we talked about already a little bit. Value can be so many things, but when you're doing a fix and flip, you need to focus on the value that you bring either to the community or the value you bring to that new buyer and the value that you always need to be focusing on the value you're bringing your contractors. And honestly, I mean, we focus on that a lot, bringing value to my contractors. You think that it's the opposite of way around. They're only supposed to be bringing value to you. Absolutely not. I think you ought to be bringing value to your lenders. We've got $10 million in private money right now and with about 20 million in assets. And we bring a tremendous value to those people. We've retired people with just that piece, just because they're getting a payment every single month from us. And you have to focus on the value. If you focus on price, you have a linear business. If you focus on value, those customers are going to come back to you over and over again. Your lenders will come back to you over and over and over again. Besides price, how do you bring value to contractors? Actually, I don't think price brings any value. I think value is brought in the systems that we actually help provide for the contractors. We have a system called Podio that we've implemented, and we actually put all them in our Podio workspaces so they can understand how a project is supposed to run. We have systems in place that I think actually help their business. They have weekly payments as long as they get their invoices in by a certain time, you know, they get paid. Having processes in place for my investors that I'm doing the projects for them, I have processes in place that automatically send an update to them every single week on where we're at with a project. As far as back to the the contractors, I have events for them. I actually bring speakers into them to teach them how to be a better business person. Most contractors are hands-on practitioners and they know nothing about business. So trying to teach that business side and helping them understand how to grow personally, how to grow and be able to do their jobs quicker. There's people that pay thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn that. I'm basically giving it away for them for free. The other part of that is they don't have to do any marketing. They know that if they get in with me 
and they're doing projects for me, they never need to go market. They never need to spend any money on marketing. I'm just going to keep giving them jobs. <laughs> I'm going to give them projects over and over and over again. So there's many, many more ways that we try to teach value and focus on value with them. But those are just some examples that come off the top of my head. What are some specific topics that you or your team would teach them at the business event to help them grow their business? Well, number one, focusing on systems. Everybody has a system. Everybody has a process. They just don't know it. And a lot of times it's just in your head, but focusing on getting on paper and then finding a way to either automate through technology or make it quicker. The other thing you ought to also have with processes, you ought to have service level agreements, which means this is how long this should take. And then you have that agreement with your subcontractors or your employees or whoever you work with that really help understand exactly how long things should take. And that actually helps them make more money too, if they can get jobs done quicker. Like I said, I also bring in speakers. I bring in Lowe's event vice presidents and I will bring in, we're part of the community buying group. So I'll bring in somebody from there too, to try to help them get better discount on their purchases and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Your contractors that you put on Podio, I'm thinking of contractors that I've used in the past. And sometimes it's a guy with a van. He's, you know, a 60 year old man with a van cleaning carpets he wouldn't get on the system. So how do you navigate that? Or do you have another way of making that happen? That would probably just be our internal people. Then that would just be a process. And they're a specialty sub. So they wouldn't be a general contractor. I'm only putting the general contractors mm. in on my spaces. Those people, I just consider them specialty subs. That's how we would deal with them. Okay. And then did you mention earlier that you give the lenders $10 million right now? That's, mm -hmm. that's uh, private money. You give them weekly updates? Those are the GCs that get the weekly updates. Nope. The investors. So I've got three different types of investors. I have investors that just lend me money and they just want to stay completely passive and no brain damage and make it super easy for them. And they just get a straight rate of return. That's it. I take all the risk. And then I have another set of investors that want to own property themselves or flip properties. So I work with fix and flip people from out of state or even in state and they just, they don't want to do it themselves. They know I have all the processes and systems and, you know, talking about value, I've got all this in place. I can help them acquire the house. I can help them get the project finished. I can manage the property up until the time of sale. And then I can help them get with great realtors that will make it. So, I mean, I'm really like a one-stop shop. All they got to do is fund the deal and say yes, and I can make them money. That's a lot of value there. So for the fix and flip person, I'm working for that investor. I do this myself too. I'm very diversified in this whole real estate realm. I'm not just going to be the investor. I'm going to be the investor. I'm also going to be the lender. I lend my money out quite a bit. I'm also going to be a contractor. So I work with the investors and also renters. So I have an active turnkey program, which I call active turnkey. You can find us at activeturnkey.com. I think it is. But basically what I do is I sell them a house wholesale. And then my construction company fixes the house up for them. And then I also teach lease options, which 98 of my 110 houses are lease options. So I firmly believe in lease options, not just straight rentals. So I teach them that. And then we have a property management company, not me, but I have another property management company in-house that will manage the properties for them. So instead of like selling it to them, turnkey, already fixed up, already rented, I'm actually going through the whole process with them. And I'm trying to get my investors into the deal 75% of after repair to appraise value, they can then pull out 70% with a cash out refi and then go do another deal with me. 
So those investors, so the fix and flip investors that I'm doing working with and the rental landlord owners that I work with. So they're getting updates. So the 45 projects I'm doing right now, all those customers are getting weekly updates with pictures and a rundown of what happened to the property. You mentioned 99% of your deals are lease options and you firmly believe that that's the approach. Would you stick with that approach if you want to build your portfolio over the next 60 years since in theory they're buying those properties from you eventually? Well, first of all, I'll tell you that less than 10% of those people will ever cash you out. I'm not focused on them cashing me out. I'm focusing on, I want a rental without tenants and toilets. So I just know those numbers. I've worked with lease options for the last 10 years. I've owned over 200 of them. And I think we've had five or six people ever cash us out. So I'm not focused on that. I do qualify them and only take in people that could qualify for that. So it's a smaller pool of people that qualify for a lease option because I want three to $5,000 upfront. I want full market rent. I want them to be willing and able to take care of repairs as they come up down the road. So there's a smaller percentage of people that will do that, but I want homeowner mentality type people in my houses. So I don't want them calling me if there's a clogged toilet. I don't want them calling me if there's stuff like that. So I want less maintenance and I want them to have skin in the game. They give me an option fee that's non-refundable. It's not security deposit. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to me. If they move out, then they lose it. So that's what I want. I'm really after that. If they do cash me out, that's fine. But think about it. If I bought a property for, say, $50,000, I put twenty five into it, so I'm into it $75,000, and I've got an option with a tenant to buy it for me for $100,000 at any point, is that really a bad thing? Right. No way. At any time, that's something that you have to understand in real estate. At any time, if somebody's willing to let you scrape off your equity and make the profit, I just always do it. I'm not a person that's going to go after the high risk areas like California and try to buy and sell high and trade. I'm not really a trader when it comes to that. I'm a, I'm a trader when it comes to wholesaling for sure. I understand that all day long. But for this, I actually like it. If they do cash me out, it's just icing on the cake, but I don't ever plan on them doing it. The other reason why I love the lease option program so much is turnover. Turnover is the biggest thing that will hurt you for owning a rental. And you're not going to get rich on that option but it helps make the transition so you don't lose money. So if a tenant's going to move out and I got to pay to have them evicted, then I lose a month worth of rent. And let's say I got to go in there and do some touch up paint and maybe a thousand dollars worth of work. That next tenant that comes in is going to bring another three to $5,000. So it basically helps me cover all those costs. Mm -hmm. So it helps with your vacancy costs. It helps with your maintenance costs. So that's kind of why I do it. I try to do it because I want to have a boring, predictable outcome of income. It makes me think of one of my homes, the tenant moved out, cost me $5,000 to get it ready and the rent's like $1,300. So I, I, I'm not going to make that $5,000 for probably another year and a half. Right. And if it was a lease option, you would have had an opportunity to possibly pull back a lot of that or all of it really with just a new tenant. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, first a quick word for our best ever partners. If you're interested in learning more about the Upper West Side of New York City and potentially buying real estate in this coveted Manhattan neighborhood, check out ilovetheupperwestside.com. This website was created and owned by Love Where You Live Realty, who specialize on the Upper West Side. Go to ilovetheupperwestside.com. Best ever book you've read? The Bible. 
best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I would definitely say learning to go to masterminds. And what I've learned from it is it helps you look at your business and focus and then also helps you appreciate what you have. Best ever mastermind you've been to already? Boy, I just left Freedom Founders, which was amazing, but Collective Geniuses is awesome as well. So I've got to give a plug to both. Best ever deal you've done? You know, I saw this question and I'm sorry, but I've done so many deals that I just have to bring a recent one up, which I think is really cool because this was about ridiculous ROI. So I bought a house for $3,000. That was a burnout. And I just said, you know what, let's just try to wholesale a stupid thing. I listed it for nineteen nine. I had an offer within one week for like $19,000. And so making, I don't know, a couple hundred percent on your money within a week is pretty cool. Best ever way you like to give back? I give back many different ways. I think for me, it's more about tracking your giving. I'm all about giving. We just gave to my kids school. They go to private school. I give a lot of money to my church. I give a lot of my time. But to me, I do have a big dream to flip the city of Gary, Indiana, pretty much a war zone right now. And I have a huge dream to give away a billion dollars. So that's really why I feel like I'm on earth and I track that all the time. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Well, that was a house we did about a year and a half ago. <laughs> we bought a house, 4,000 square foot. There was only two other houses in the neighborhood that were that big in Montgomery, Illinois. And it's just a little too far away from Chicago, I think. We originally thought we were going to make about $60,000 on it. And I think we ended up losing about 37. That was definitely experience. Days on market were too high. We probably should have paid more attention to that. Active versus solds. New house, 2007 build. So, I mean, we didn't have an issue there. But just the fact that it was the largest house in the area, maybe we should pay more attention. There's like a lot of just little things. But for me, it taught me that even the most experienced real estate investors, that everything looks like it could be good. The market does what the market does. And you just got to take the punches. But if you're selling 25 other houses that month, the one house that you lose money on doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> yeah. The days on the market being too high, what do you quantifiably say is too high? It depends on your market and what your expectations are. But I would say obviously lower is better if you're fixing and flipping. But like in Illinois right now, right on my, the border of Indiana, Illinois, most of those houses are 60 days on market or less. You love to see 30 days. I'm from the Midwest. So I'm a little bit more insulated from some of your two days on the market every single time type of areas. But on the Indiana side, days on market can be as much as 180 and that's probably not good. I like to see under 60 days. And you also said largest house in the area wasn't a good thing. Are there any other things you've noticed on that deal that you're applying to others? I think the one thing is if there's a lot of little things about the house or about the deal itself, that aren't necessarily an X, you know, like normally I do a two or three strike and you're out type of deal, but none of these were large enough. If any one of these things would have been the only thing about it, like days on market, like it was biggest house, like it's a new subdivision, great area, but just not really close to Chicago or close to the Metro. All these little things kind of all compounded it. And I think they can make a big difference too. So just understanding that five little X's might be good enough to get rid of a, of a deal as well as <laughs> <laughs> as long as one, one big X, but five little one, death by a thousand cuts, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and like I said, we end up normally making money on every deal somehow. Maybe if it's not as much as we thought and you never make as much as you think. But I think the biggest thing, like I said, I learned is that because we're doing the volume that we're doing, it doesn't hurt as bad. And if I had to do the deal over again, I'd probably do it again. I still feel like it was the right decision. We just didn't sell it as quickly as it took us almost a year to get this house done. 
and we sold it for about $40,000 less than we thought. So obviously ate up some extra holding costs. Our money guy's happy. Our money guy made like $40,000 on the deal and we lost 30. So basically I paid the lender out of my pocket, but that's about it. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? I would say probably my email, tolson at goodsuccess.com. You can also find us at goodsuccess.com, goodsuccessacademy.com, and activeturnkey.com. Tom, thanks for talking about your business, the businesses that you're focused on from construction management all the way to the education, wholesale, and then owning over 100 rentals with Midwest Rental Solutions, how you add value or bring value to the transaction, specifically focus on contractors, whereas our focus was on contractors at least. And that is having systems in place for them. Everyone has a system, but not everyone has the right system. So helping them learn the process through Podio is what you use. Also weekly payments, as long as they get their invoices in a certain time. That's a huge thing for contractors, not necessarily the total amount that they're receiving, but the frequency in which they're receiving so they can pay off people and then pay their own bills. And then the business events to help them learn how to grow. And you're bringing the general contractors to those events. I know one of the best ways to keep employees around your company would be to continually train them. And I know Keller Williams Group is known for doing a really good job of that, as well as a lot of good Fortune 500 companies. And then your approach on lease options. You said you don't want to deal with the tenants and toilets and dot, 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 the turnover. I haven't thought of it that way, but the turnover is key because that's when you lose the majority of your money in a long-term hold. It just happens when people move out. It costs a large chunk of money. So until you have your mortgage paid off, then you can probably still profit over the course of the year. But if you don't have your mortgage paid off and someone moves out, you're likely going to be breaking even for the next 12 months whenever you factor in the turnover cost. So thanks so much for talking about that. And lastly, the days on the market being too high, largest house in the area, just a bunch of little things that if you come across them, again, you're going to perhaps add those up and equal one big X instead of a bunch of little tiny Xs, even though you did say that you'd probably do that deal again, but just a lesson to be learned there. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. If you're interested in learning more about the Upper West Side of New York City and potentially buying real estate in this coveted Manhattan neighborhood, check out ilovetheupperwestside.com. This website was created and owned by Love Where You Live Realty, who specialize on the Upper West Side. Go to ilovetheupperwestside.com.